0: word and you would like one, please just go ahead and lift up your hand and one of our ushers will will get you one. In the passage that we are in today, what we see is what it looks like when the people of God realize they have been living in sin. And not only living in sin, but have been sinning against God himself. Up to this point, Israel had been living in exile. Israel had been going through a couple of ups and, and downs. They, their, their ups would look like complete and utter trust in the God that had delivered them from Egypt. And God would bless them spiritually and even materially. But it wouldn't be too long after those ups until Israel would soon start to forget about the God who had saved them from slavery and captivity. And because God is a just God, He would punish His people. Not out of anger or revenge, but to help His people see where they have sinned against Him. Ezra chapter 10, verse 1 says this. While Ezra prayed and made confession, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, a very great assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him out of Israel, for the people wept bitterly. Father, I come before you this morning asking that your word would be revealed to us. That you would be gracious to us and you would be kind to us, which, which we know your kindness leads us to repentance. Would you open up the eyes of our hearts as Paul says in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians. That you would give us a spirit of revelation and knowledge and insight into the Holy One. God, would you bring our sins so in front of us that we can't help but at the end of listening to your word, confess our sins. Oh, would you stir us and allow us to experience you this morning, God. We ask that our relationship with you wouldn't be one of meaninglessness. But one of being intimate and real. We pray this in your son Jesus name. Amen. I'd like to tell a quick story now this isn't a real story but it helps us see the types of confession that tends to happen there was a child who was about age three maybe four he was standing in the kitchen watching his mother bake cookies they were chocolate chip cookies This child was excited to eat these chocolate chip cookies. But when the dad came home and the cookies had been out, the mom put the cookies in the cookie jar and the mom and dad told the child, do not have any of those cookies. Don't have them just yet. Do you understand, son? The son said, yes, I understand. I won't have any cookies. So the mom and dad left the kitchen. And the child stood in the kitchen Looked down at his feet. Looked up at the cookie jar. Down at his feet again. Started inching over to the chair. Grabbed the chair. Put it next to the counter. Opened up the cookie jar. Thought to himself, I just want to smell the cookies. Picked up a cookie and told himself, I just want to look at the cookie. Put the cookie in his mouth and said, I just want to taste the cookie. He heard his parents coming back into the kitchen, and so he he closed the cookie jar, pushed the chair back to the table, and stood in the same place that he stood when his parents left the room. His mom and dad asked him, Son, did you eat a cookie Who, me? Couldn't be. I didn't eat a cookie. Son, did you eat a cookie? I didn't eat a cookie. So the mom went to the bathroom and got a handheld mirror because the child did not realize that there was melted chocolate on his face. Held up the mirror... And asked the son again. Son, did you have a cookie? Now most people would think there's two ways that this child could respond. But I would like to also suggest a third. See the first way that this child could respond. Is by breaking down and weeping. I had a cookie you're right, I, I had a cookie and you told me not to have a cookie and I ate the cookie. I, I disobeyed what you had asked me not to do. Would you forgive me, mom and dad? Now, the second way that this child could respond is denial. That was there before before you guys left. I didn't, I, I swear, I did not eat a cookie. That is disregard and denial of disobeying what his parents had asked him not to. See, the third response I want to suggest is a response that I'm seeing plague the church that we live in today. Not just our church, but the church in general. It's a response of looking like the first, breaking down and crying. Oh yes, I I, I ate the cookie. I ate the cookie, mom and dad. I won't do it again. And it's left there. Only to feel sorry and embarrassed that one was caught disobeying and things for a little while mellow out, But then a few days later, what the child does is grab that chair, put it up next to the counter, and has another cookie. See, the child wasn't in this situation genuinely sorry that he had disobeyed his parents. This, the, the child in this situation was sorry and embarrassed that he got caught. You see, our human nature... Is prone to be puffed up with pride. Our our sin whispers lies telling us that we are on the throne and we make the rules. But God's people are to be a people who confess when they disobey. So, what is confession? Well, Well, Plainly put, confession, in this sense, according to what we see in Ezra, confession is the acknowledgement that we have sinned against God by breaking His law. Praying, Ezra confessed in verses 13 and 14 in chapter 9. And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds... And for our great guilt, seeing that you, our God, have punished us less than our iniquities deserved and have given us such a remnant as this. Shall we break your commandments again and intermarry with the people who practice these abominations? Would you not be angry with us until you consumed us so that there should be no remnant nor any way to escape? Far too often confession is viewed as just merely acknowledging that I'm a bad person. We've even in the church developed prayers called sinner prayers and stuff like that to make confession as vague as possible where I don't have to get real. But who have you sinned against? Who are you confessing to and what are the sins that you must confess? Confession is an acknowledgement, and agreement that you have sinned against God. And so before moving on, I think it is important to explain what confession and repentance is. Because far too often, we think that confession and repentance are the same. See, I was startled as I was preparing for this message, reading what people had to say and listening to what people said. It seems that we view confession and repentance as one thing. However, they're not. Although you cannot separate confession and repentance, confession is not repentance and repentance is not confession. Confession is the acknowledgement of one's wrongdoing. While repentance is the active turning away from one's sin. So we confess our sins, and then next time when we are tempted with that sin, we repent. Repentance literally means to turn away. In genuine confession, there will always flow from that real repentance. And real repentance is always caused from genuine confession. Confession is the acknowledgement that you alone, God, have I sinned against. And repentance, real repentance and grief over sinning against God is an active and daily action. Fleeing from the sin that has plagued your life. Putting to death the deeds of the flesh. Out of the three ways this boy responded earlier that I had I had suggested. Which one are you? How have you viewed confession in your life? Trivial? Trite? Do you come before God when you are confronted with your sin in a heartbroken confession? Or do you try to suppress it and deny it and disregard it? Or do you come embarrassed that you've been caught only to continue to live in a pattern of sin asking, why do I continue to feel embarrassed and guilty? Because true confession hasn't really happened yet in that third one. Do you acknowledge your sin before God? Are you specific in your confession? Do you tell and confess to God that you have sinned against Him? Too many times it is easy for us to be vague in our confession and not confess to God, but really just confess to ourselves, easing the pain. Oh, if we ever hope to see a a great move of God here, then we must understand what real and genuine confession is. If we ever hope to see genuine revival in our own hearts, we must take confession seriously. Real and genuine revival of our hearts starts with true and genuine confession. This is what we are seeing in our passage today. We are starting to see what genuine confession among the people of God looks like. But why is confession so important? Why do we confess? Well, in order to understand this, we need to understand the glory of God. You see, it's not that we will ever fully understand the glory of God. But He does reveal His glory to us in ways where we can marvel. It is by knowing God's glory that we can understand why we confess. We serve a, a God who in six days created all things and on the seventh rested and looked at it and said it's all very good. Out of nothing, He created all things. And it is by His will... That all things sustain and exist. He shows his glory in the flood. That that he saw no one with a pure heart. No one was righteous before him. And so he is so full of glory and holy. That he wiped out all of the earth besides one family. And started over. He is so glory that we see with Israel. That that he sent Israel free by sending the plagues to save His people. God is so full of glory that we see His glory as He parts the Red Sea for Israel to be freed from slavery. Only to close it again as Egypt, those that have enslaved His people to be swallowed up in judgment. We see God's glory through Moses as God is so full of glory and so holy that He comes down in the form of a burning bush. But yet that bush never being quenched by the fire. God is so full of glory that when Moses is is up on Mount Sinai and Moses asks to see the glory of God, he tells him no because it would kill you. But then lets him see his backside. And when Moses comes down from the mountain, people are afraid because the glory of God is shining off of Moses' face. God is so full of glory that He establishes covenants with this sinful people. And it is by His promise that He has kept these covenants. He shows His glory to us in His word by being all present, all knowing, and all powerful. And this is just scratching the surface. Our God is a holy, holy God. So, maybe you still don't understand why we confess. Well, let me tell you. God is holy and we are not. We are sinful. We are told that we all fall short of the glory of God. Not one of us can come to God and tell him our resume of works that we have done because he is holy and full of glory. We have been stained with sin. And we may try to wash it with our good works. And we may try to outrun it with denial. But it always catches up to us. When we are given eyes to see and ears to hear about this glory, the only appropriate thing for us to do is confess. Maybe you're thinking right now, Max, you're making me kind of easy. Well, confession is not supposed to be an easy matter. Confession is not supposed to make you happy go lucky. Confession is supposed to make you uncomfortable. It is hard and oftentimes gut wrenching. This is why we read of Isaiah the prophet who, confronted with the glory of God, shouts out, Woe is me! I'm a man of unclean lips. That is why, when the Apostle Paul is confronted with the glory of Jesus, he's blinded and falls on his knees. It's because the glory of God reveals our sin. And when that happens, the only appropriate response is confession. Do you confess your sins? Do you confess your sins, people of God, before God Himself? Maybe you're trying to make an excuse right now while well, I' seeing the glory of God like Paul or Isaiah. Well, our passage tells us that it, Ezra didn't see the glory of God either. However, the glory of God is not just extended to experience, but the glory of God is also revealed to us in His word and law. It is because Israel had disobeyed God and intermarried with other nations that they're coming before God to confess their sin. This was the sin that Israel had committed against God was marrying people from other nations. What is it that you are married to? Your sexual lusts? Drunkenness? Greed? Gossip and slander. Covetness and envy. What is it that you need to confess of today? So this is why we are to confess. Because we are confronted with a holy, holy God. And we are a sinful people. So what does the heart of confession look like? We see in our passage that confession is one of brokenness. Ezra was weeping and a great multitude of Israel, men, women, and children came before him and wept bitterly. They were so broken of their sin that a few verses later, a few days later, it tells us that they gathered together out in the rain and trembled because of their sin. Do we tremble over our sin? The next The next way we know what the heart of confession looks like is that it's specific. Verses 14 and 15, we've, we've already looked at them. Ezra was confessing a specific sin. He was not vague. He was not short. He was confessing specifically the sin that him and Israel Had committed against God. He brought it to the front of the people. And he brought it before God. Part of confessing is exposing sin. And bringing it to the light. When we confess sin. We are not called to hide it in the darkness. But we are to expose the light to it. And when we are vague. Vague. We are still hiding it. And the next way in our passage that we see what, a, what the heart of confession looks like is that it's humble. Ezra acknowledges that their punishment should be great. I don't know if you heard that earlier, but, but he even says... He acknowledges to God, and after all of this has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great guilt, seeing that you, our God, have punished us less than our iniquities deserved. Do you know that you deserve more punishment for your sins than you were actually given? Ezra is confessing this. He's telling us, would you not be angry with us until you consumed us so that there should be no remnant nor any to escape? Has confession become a ritual to us? Does confession mean anything to the church anymore? So I would like to conclude like this. I would like to ask the question one more time. Do you confess your sins? Are we a people who confess our sins before the living God? Has the glory of God caused you to see your sins before him? Has it caused you to be confronted with the reality that you are not as good as what you make yourself out to be? If so, confess. Confess your sins today. Because when you confess your sins, the most amazing thing starts to happen. Forgiveness and healing start to happen. We are told by John in 1 John 1 verse 9. That if we confess our sins, he is just and righteous to forgive us. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So maybe you're in here this morning and you've been completely and utterly an enemy of God. Against the thing of God's and now you're thinking, I could never, become, I could never come before him. This passage says, if we confess, he will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Or maybe you're in here this morning. And you've backslidden. And you continue to live in your sin. And you feel unworthy to approach God and confess your sin. Well once again this passage tells us that if we confess our sin. He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe you're in here thinking. I've hurt too many people. I've caused too much damage. I'm unforgivable. This passage says if you confess your sin, He will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He does this because of what His Son Jesus did for us. His Son Jesus lived the life that we should have lived, died the death that we should have died. Jesus lived a perfect life according to every jot and tittle of the law. Never failing in one aspect. He died and rose again three days later. And now is sitting at the Father's right hand. Ruling victoriously. So that those who confess their sin. And confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Can be cleansed from all unrighteousness. I ask. Come. Come to God and confess. Father, would you please move among us this morning. Be gracious to us. Don't give us over to our sin. Don't allow us to just. Don't allow us to live in our sin. Reveal our hearts to us. Far too many times, God, we want to be you, but we can't be. Far too many times we would rather worship your, your creation rather than you. Convict us of our sins. Show us your, our, our hearts and allow us to come to you in genuine confession, being specific, exposing our sin and trusting in your promise. That you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, God, I ask this in your Son, Jesus' name. God, I ask that we would not take this. Just leave here this morning, not thinking about what confession towards you looks like. God, protect our hearts. The worst thing that could possibly happen to us is leave here this morning, not taking confession serious, not taking our relationship with you serious, not taking our eternal state serious. So, God, Father, soften our hearts. Lead us to confession. And allow us to daily repent of our sins, trusting in you. Amen.